You are listening to Stitchwish Radio, a podcast for crafting your own magic and threads. I'm your host, textile artist, author, and teacher, Christy Johnson. Hey there. So I know it's been a while. Um, Big news. I had a baby back in February, and between the lack of energy of being pregnant to the lack of energy of raising a child, I've been much more limited in the amount of work that I could get done. So the podcast was kind of the first thing to fall off my to-do list. But I really wanted to share this thought that I had. I had this realization recently. um, Now that we're heading into winter and we're getting into like getting cozy and making stuff, winter is honestly my favorite time to hunker down and finally get things made and finished. Um, It's time to think about what materials are we making things with? So let's start this off. Two years or two winters ago, I started obsessively crocheting, like waking up in the morning, picking up the crochet hook before I even had coffee. It went beyond a hobby and more into the realm of a coping mechanism. (laughs) Um, I think it all started with picking up a copy of this beautiful book, which highlights Kafe Facet's home studio. He's a knitwear designer. Uh, My mom had a bunch of like Kafe Facet knits books from the 80s that I grew up around. Um, If... That's apparently how you pronounce his name. If you look at it and you think it's Coffee Facet, Coffee Facet, um, you are not alone. So anyways, this book highlights Coffee Cave Facet's home studio. Um, I got the book at the Sheep and Wool Festival, and I really loved the way that he created these geometric patterns with yarn and like this new way of exploring patchwork style imagery that I'm so familiar with. Um, And I wanted to start exploring that. So this learning of a new skill for me and for me it was like relearning the skill because I already knew how to knit I already knew how to crochet but I was kind of relearning this skill it turned into the perfect craft for me for managing a period of what I would describe as acute anxiety following a really devastating loss that I experienced when that anxiety manifested. um, And all I could do was keep my hands moving. All I could do was keep learning new methods and new techniques. And all I really wanted to do was keep thinking about anything but my personal grief. Um, Side note, I did eventually seek therapy after a few months because this was not a sustainable way to deal with grief. But my mild obsession with yarn continued as a way to calm my mind in a way that was more repetitive than embroidery. So Embroidery, the way that I use it, requires a, it doesn't require, but when I use embroidery, I have this specific visual intention and this idea from which I am constantly asking, is this working? What can I change? How can I shift this? How am I liking what I'm seeing before me? Um, And crochet allowed me to find a more repetitive process. There was still a little bit of that communication of, is this working? What do I need to change? But with crochet, you're doing row after row after row, and so you're doing stitch after stitch without having to put a whole lot of immediate investment into the thought process. I didn't have to use my brain as much. um, And this was really beneficial for me at the time since I was totally fried from all the emotions I was experiencing. However, I found myself doing this thing where I was trying to figure out how to sell an item. So if I spend X amount of time on this and it costs me X amount in materials, how much will it cost to sell it? And the truth is, even more so than embroidery, handcrafts like crochet and knitting end up making really expensive sweaters. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't see this work as a therapeutic tool. I didn't, I I couldn't really like see the forest through the trees. Um, I rather seeing this kind of as like a new business move, which honestly didn't make much sense at the time. But um, 
as many of you probably know, anxiety and grief have a way of clouding reality a little bit. So during this time period, um, I was trying to get the most affordable natural fiber yarn possible for these knitting and crochet projects. I think it was like with the mindset that these things took so long to make and I didn't want to spend a bunch, bunch of money along with all that time. So still within my sustainable mindset, so I would scour Etsy for the most affordable secondhand options like price comparing and getting larger quantities from small businesses and smaller yarn shops of what they were trying to get rid of so I could get discounts on it. But it was still always this mindset of how do I get the most for the least? After a few itchy sweaters that took me dozens of hours to make, I realized if I'm going to spend all that time, it better be high quality materials that are incredibly luxurious. I discovered this way early on with fabric that this idea that hours of sewing will never make a cheap fabric look better than it is. But somehow I completely missed this when I came to the yarn. And again, I think the anxiety and the grief had a lot to do with that. But it's funny because I even say in my magic threads embroidery course, no amount of stitches can make a cheap fabric look good. Basically, don't waste your time trying to embroider crappy fabric. So why didn't I see that the same thing applied to yarn? The funny part is my mom used to knit us sweaters um, on a knitting machine, not by hand. This was like in the 80s and 90s. We had a giant knitting machine in my office and our, our home office. Uh, and in the future, my brother would refer to these as being made of cardboard. Um, she made them out of that sugar and cream yarn. If you're familiar with the brand, you might be familiar with the label, like this beautiful like retro label. It says sugar and cream, but it's just kind of like, he's not wrong. It's a little bit of a cardboardy cotton. Um, so why didn't I learn from this experience? So I used to think if I'm spending all that time, I don't want to spend all that money. Now my viewpoint is if I'm going to spend my time, I better make sure it's worth it. And that often means spending good money on materials. It's not all about spending money. It's about valuing my time enough and the desires of my wardrobe to know that good yarn and quality fabric is worth it. So my point is this, when you're taking the time to handcraft something, don't bother trying to make it as cheap as possible. Value your time. Even if you can't afford good yarn or fancy fabric, spend a little extra time making sure, let's say, the fit of the garment is going to be spot on. So like in knitting and crochet, like knit yourself a big swatch so you can see how the gauge looks. And when this comes to like clothing making, make yourself a muslin, maybe make two muslins. You can make them out of, you know, old sheets, old, old, whatever, old fabric. It doesn't make sense to rush the making of something in order to make it more affordable with your time. The whole entire point of handmade clothing in this age where we can literally order anything to arrive on our doorstep in a couple of days is to have high quality, well-fitting styles that either don't exist, they, you know, the, what we're looking for doesn't exist out there, or what we're looking for would otherwise be cost prohibitive. So even if you can't afford the nicest yarns or fabric, spend extra time testing the materials and the fit. For clothing design, this looks like making muslins, um, or even, I do this all the time, um, I use a really, like a half inch seam allowance, so I can be, be sure that if I need to make the garment a little bit roomier, I've got some e extra fabric built in there. Most patterns, use three eighths of an inch seam allowance. I prefer this half inch seam allowance because that gives me up to a quarter of an inch that I can use to make the garment bigger if needed without having these like super tiny seam allowances that might rip under pressure. 
spending extra time testing materials with knit fabrics might look like making a gauge swatch. So knitting up a little square in the yarn and needles you'll be using beforehand so you know exactly how big the final product is going to be. So I used to do a little four by four square when I was making my gauge swatch and then take its measurements until I started reading deeper. Um, one of my favorite books on knitting, Designing Knitwear, where she recommends making a much larger swatch to get a real feel for the finished sweater. So even adding the rib and the needle size and the needle size that you're going to be making with or any other details into the swatch and then blocking that swatch once you're done with it. So rinsing it out and seeing how that knit or crochet is going to act after washing. As someone who has had more than one handmade sweater grow to nearly unwearable proportions, I realized I was missing this key factor since apparently my crochet grows after washing. It doesn't shrink. I falsely assumed it would shrink after you wash it, but that was not the case, at least for the way that I crochet. Um, anyways, this podcast is not, to me not meant to be on knitting or crochet. So this is really about taking your time as a way to value your time. Treat yourself to something amazing. If you're going to take the time to make it, make it great. Don't try and imitate that $70 sweater at Zara or that $40 dress from Urban Outfitters. Make yourself the sweater that's way out of your price dreams. Make yourself the designer baby alpaca cardigan, not an itchy acrylic version. If you're going to spend all that time, recognize that your time is worth more than a cheap sweater you'll only wear a few times before realizing it's not quite what you wanted. Wrap yourself in a kind of warmth you may maybe otherwise couldn't afford. Knit a sweater you could pass down, sew a dress that becomes a family heirloom. Allow your stitches to be a series of tiny rebellions against the industrial values of capitalism. Make your own luxury goods without all the labels. There have been a bunch of articles that I've seen popping up in commentaries about like how sweaters are so much worse than they used to be and it all stems from the 2009 recession and Clothes Horse podcast does a really amazing um, review on this idea of like why are sweaters so crappy. So like if you can make your own sweater, make it a not crappy sweater. <laughs> make it even better than the fancy whatever $400 sweater you could have purchased. Um... So yeah, that's all, that's all I really wanted to point out is like, let's value our work, let's value our time. And we do that by choosing materials that have value to them and choosing materials that will last for us and practicing with those materials to make sure what we're making is really going to come out beautifully and come out the way that we have intended it to. Um, we're so used to everything being faster and like, how can I make a bunch of things? And there's been this trend, um, like all the things I made in one month, all the things I crocheted in one month. And I think that's, that can be really damaging because the point is not how much can you make. The point is what is the quality of the goods that you're making? That's the whole entire reason behind making it yourself anyways. So um, all that said, if you want some ideas on where to buy amazing fabrics, honestly, your local fabric store is probably the best option. That way you can feel the fabrics in person and ask the store clerks about it. They probably know a bunch. Uh, but I also have a blog post that I created on a few of my favorite online resources for both new and dead stock fabrics that you might want to check out. These stores, I've kind of never gone wrong with them. They always have really quality things and they're always really clear. So be sure to check that out on my blog. Um, and if you're looking for good yarns, your local yarn store most likely has a great range of yarns. And again, whoever's working there knows them really well. And if you tell them I'm looking to make something, they know how they wear, they know how those yarns wear, they know how they wash, they're really familiar with those yarns. They probably, they might even have samples of those 
yarns knitted up into garments so you can compare. If you just want to update your current wardrobe without having to bring anything new in your home, without having to go out and get new materials, be sure to check out my new embroidery on clothing workshop, which is the first live online workshop I've done in I think years, it's, I think it's been at least a year. Um, it's included with the current round of my Magic Threads embroidery design course. Um, and the first workshop is going live on November 28th, or the first workshop will happen on November 28th. So be sure to sign up before then. Um, it's going to be interactive. So I'll have my lesson and then I'll have time at the end for people to ask questions or share ideas or whatever. So um, if you, want to have that sort of experience, then you're going to want to get in. Um, and if you're interested in making your own clothes, sewing your own clothes, be sure to sign up for my newsletter to find out when my soft work course opens in December. Um, I'm getting some fun and free resources together for you to get started that I'll be sending out next month. So whether or not you want to take the course, you'll want to get your hands on these free resources. Um, all right. Go ahead and check out the show notes if you want to know anything about the books that I've mentioned, um, the K Facet book, the knitwear design book, um, as well as how to sign up for my newsletter and also links to the blog post that I mentioned on fabric shopping resources. Ah, thanks for letting me back into your ears. And I hope to be posting on the podcast a little bit more frequently in the coming months. Um, thanks again and have a good one. Bye.